I was fired from my job as an assistant media planner because I wasn't passionate about the work I was doing and I wasn't good at my job. I went right to my brother's office crying from being fired and he said, go home, bake your cupcakes. We'll start a business out of it. From ABC, it's No Limits. I'm Rebecca Jarvis, and each week we're talking to the most bold and influential women playing at the top of their game, trying to demystify success and what it really takes to get there and all the trade-offs. Whether you're looking for answers or you just want to hear a good story, you're in the right place. On today's episode, when Melissa Benache was fired from her job as a media planner, she didn't know what to do with herself. It's not that media planning was her dream job, but the loss stung. So she called her brother and he gave her some advice. Go home and do what you love. Her favorite hobby, baking. It wasn't long before the 24-year-old launched what became a multi-million dollar business. Here's the story of Baked by Melissa. Melissa Benache, welcome to No Limits. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you. You have such an interesting story. So take us back to 24 years old. You've just been fired. I was fired from my job as an assistant media planner because I wasn't passionate about the work I was doing and I wasn't good at my job. I went right to my brother's office crying from being fired and he said, go home, bake your cupcakes. We'll start a business out of it. First of all, you believed your brother when he said, this is going to be a business. I always wanted to go into business with my brother. He's an entrepreneur. We're a very entrepreneurial family. And that was a goal. At the time, I was making my tie-dye cupcakes for everyone and anyone. If it was your birthday and I loved you and I love a ton of people, I baked you (laughs) cupcakes. So it wasn't weird that he said it. And I knew I needed to take control of my own happiness. I was fired. That sucked. So I wanted to make myself happy. Baking does that for me. I baked all these cupcakes and sent them into work the very next day with my best friend's little sister who was interning at Allison Broad PR. Your friend's little sister was an intern. An intern, (laughs) And you sent the the cupcakes in with an intern. Yes, Allison Broad um, PR was known for, like, having an all-female workforce. And in my experience, like, girls particularly love cupcakes, me being one of them. Obsessed. It's my favorite (laughs) thing ever. So I really thought if nothing else should be the star of the office for the day what's better than that but Good in the call. back of my mind i was hoping that allison would see them and she did okay so you sent her in with your famous rainbow cupcakes correct she sees them and what does she say she loved them she put me in touch with her caterer her caterer called me that same day and brought me over for a tasting and I was doing events with Allison's caterer less than a week after being fired as Melissa of Baked by Melissa. Wow. What was going through your mind at this time? Because most people, if you get fired, most people take a lot of downtime initially. There's that, oh, my God, like, I can't believe this just happened. I feel terrible. I don't believe in myself. I'm afraid. Did you have any of those things? Oh, absolutely. I had all of those moments. I surrounded myself with people who love me and support me, my brother, my parents being those main people, and my like two best friends who are still my two best friends today. Um, and I worked hard. I knew I had the opportunity to do what I love every day. And don't get me wrong. I was meeting with headhunters, trying to find new jobs in advertising. I just I saw this great opportunity to do what I love truly. And I knew that I would do everything I possibly could to make that happen. Um, And I didn't want to go back to corporate America. 
So baking cupcakes was, you know, working on a new project, but it was also what relaxed me and what made me happy. I was doing that when I got home from work, usually. How were you pricing everything originally? How did you come up with this is how much money I need to make off of each of these? Were you making money on them? There was none of that. Um, (laughs) uh, You know, Baked by Melissa was really an overnight sensation. So um, when I met with the caterer and he loved the product, he told me to come to his next event in a black dress with 250 cupcakes. And those cupcakes, um, I think my brother like helped me, like everything was a dollar a piece. And um, for that first event, we created a website, bakedbymelissa.com business cards that had my name, my home address, and my cell phone number on them. Um, And on the website, you can go and order 100 cupcakes to be delivered by me from my apartment using the subway anywhere in Manhattan, using PayPal. That was like the only way to do that at the time. And that way, when somebody at the event saw the product and freaked out over it because it was the cutest cupcake and most beautiful, delicious thing they'd ever seen, they had somewhere to go. And, you know, I had a, a way to get their business. And and we kind of just kept doing things like that. People, the response to our product from day one was unbelievable. And when you have something like that, it's truly magical and you just do anything you can to to grow it. It's a really interesting point. You really seize the moment. Not only were you thinking of, okay, I have to make sure that the cupcakes are perfect for this event, but you were thinking, I also want to capitalize on the event. And I think a lot of people, when they when they go into something like that, they'll think about the initial thing, but they won't necessarily think about the second thing, that you want to use it as an opportunity to generate more business for yourself. And I think that was part of the magic of Baked by Melissa. I surrounded myself with people who had skills that I didn't. So I didn't found the company by myself. I founded the company with my brother, um, the entrepreneur who helped lead and grow the business from day one. His business partner, who was our childhood best friend, who's a creative genius. And he he uh, designed the website, all of the packaging, the logo, every store. Like He did all of the creative design work. The caterer who had this um, client base of celebrities and high-profile people who he was already doing events for. And and then one other who came on later who had a restaurant, and that's actually where we opened our first store on Spring Street, just a pickup window, part of Cafe Barry. Together, we built Baked by Melissa. So in those early days, and especially working with the creative genius on the team, how how many iterations did you have to go through to get to the point where you were like, yes, this is our brand. This is what it is. This is what it needs to be. So I was forged. Brian, Matt and I, my brother and and his business partner at the time grew up together. We've known each other for a very long time. He created Matt, created the logo in minutes. I remember in when minutes. he turned around his monitor and he's like, what do you think of this for the logo? I think I cried. <laughs> it was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. And that's part of the magic of Baked by Melissa. I mean, and he's surrounding yourself with people who are very talented and can do things that you cannot. I could have never done that. You had this incredible family around you and wonderful resources. How did you personally, outside of just asking questions of your brother, learn the business side of all of this? It's all through experience. Um, I'm still learning every single day. I... um now work alongside a CEO who has done everything we're going to do together pretty much. Um, 
How did the CEO come to be? Because, you know, there are a lot of people, founders, who would not want to give up that control. Well, you'd be silly not to. You have to recognize your own strengths, but more importantly, your own weaknesses. I'm not a CEO. I create our product. I represent our brand. I focus on our marketing and brand, and that's a big part of my job. Um, and I don't want to focus on the PNL. I must always be aware of what's going on in the organization and find someone who's even better at that than I can ever be so I can do what I'm great at. And as you continue to grow a business, it's impossible to do everything from I've had so many different roles within this company. When we started, I baked every single cupcake. Then I actually met my husband who baked every single cupcake with me, which is a whole other story. And really? He still is my um, co-baker. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's one of my, my secret weapons. We we are the product team, essentially, um, with one other who is – I mean, we have a great team of people. But um, I create and conceptualize all new product, and then he brings it to production. And there's no one I would trust more to do that. We've been working together for almost 10 years, so it's crazy. Um But so I was in charge of retail operations at the beginning. I was the one making all of the store schedules. I knew every single person who worked in every single store, like the back of my hand, their birthday, their favorite flavor, you name it. I headed up our HR department. I did customer happiness. I, you do what you need to do to grow the organization. And um, now I am. I feel so fortunate to be in my current role. That may or may not change. I'm sure it will as we continue to grow the company, which is exciting. How do you deal with working with family and making that work? I think you learn as you go. Um, you know, on one hand, obviously, it's no secret that working with family can be challenging. It could also be extremely rewarding. I mean, for me, like the re- the family relationship is top priority. So and obviously so is the company. And when you love two things that are together, you just you need to bend and be flexible and be willing to change in order to make things work, to learn about yourself and and, um, you know, change your response. It, it's like any other relationship just under a microscope because you're like always together. In terms of building out the business, mm-hmm. I have read that one of the the biggest things that, that came up early on were the holiday orders, that it was just way surpassing your expectations. Take us back to that moment. Oh, man. I mean, it was really, it's every holiday season. And as time progresses, that even changes what it means. But you know, the first few years, the holidays would come and I'd literally put on my Syracuse sweatpants and go down to the basement and of... Cafe Barry, which is where we were doing our baking and distribution and and literally like pack orders and dispatch our delivery team. We, we did it all ourselves. And um, when hundreds and hundreds of orders are coming in and it's the most important time of year for the business, I would. One of our employees or teammates who is still our teammate today, and I love her so much, like together we we would dispatch deliveries. We would like meet up at like 5 a.m. and get like literally pieces of paper and color code orders and, and arrange the freezer to make sure everything was together and then just send everybody out. It's like Santa. It's being Santa Claus. And you have to do whatever it takes. So, you know, maybe that wasn't my job the rest of the year. But when that's the area of the business that needs your focus and attention, then that's what you have to do. How many flavors do you have at this point? 
So we have eight OG flavors, which are our original greats. We have three of our seasonal collections. So every season, the flavors change. We have a mini of the month that changes with every month. We have six flavors right now called the Dream Team um, that celebrated the launch of Cakes by Melissa, my book, using recipes from the book. And we are about to have, or we do have, seven limited edition flavors for Valentine's Day um, and two macaron flavors for Valentine's Day. And we have two flavors for Super Bowl. And all of our product is made completely by hand right now. Um, we have one of our Valentine's Day flavors is dark chocolate. I'm Get this for your Valentine. Like, this is the best flavor we've ever had. How we have never done a dark chocolate flavor or cupcake before is mind-boggling to me. When you do come up with flavors, is it based on trends? Like, do you hear from your customers? I'm sure you get all the time feedback saying, why don't you have this flavor? Why don't you have that flavor? The inspiration comes from everywhere. Television, movies, like food, like going out to dinner. And and our customers, of course, and what people want is super important. Our customer is... The reason that we are here and we do everything for our customer and um, a lot of it just comes from my gut. I think what I'm best at is creating delicious treats. How do you decide when something doesn't work? It doesn't taste good. So what we do is um, I conceptualize and often create the, the cupcake or my husband will like actually put it together and we'll have a tasting in the office and there are a few key people within our organization that are in those tastings. It's the product team. It's me. It's our CEO. And um, we taste them. And if they're delicious or usually it's like, oh, my God, that was so good. Or like it's delicious, but it needs something like for aesthetic because the two components of our product are look and taste. And when they're both on, then... We know it's going to be successful because you have to, like, think it looks beautiful. How did you choose the size? Why the little cupcake instead of, you know, the regular size cupcake? Well, I used to eat two big cupcakes every single day before we started Baked by Melissa. Sometimes even more than that. If I went into a bakery, I needed to try everything. I still do, but it's now it's my job. So every night on my way home from working in advertising, I would stop at the Clover Deli on 34th and 2nd and buy two cupcakes. The big cupcakes, the like crumb-sized cupcakes. Um, Vanilla cake base, chocolate cake base, because I couldn't decide between the two flavors. And eat them both. I would say I'm going to only eat half, but I would eat them both. So it's an opportunity to try every flavor without feeling that guilt of eating two full-size cupcakes like I always did. And believe it or not, everything is under 50 calories, which is funny because I use only the best ingredients. I use Hershey's fudge. I use Oreo cookies. There's a chip, there's a Chips Ahoy cookie icing in our cookies and milk flavor that's also in our Valentine's Day collection. Um, I use, I like, I don't skimp. It's just a bite. So, like, the stuffing is there for a reason. The icing is there for a reason. The cake and all of those components are so important. My producer Taylor is showing me the 
That's the Valentine's, Valentine's Day, Day box. How beautiful. Which it looks, it reminds me a little bit of a chocolate box. Yes. It's like a love letter. It's, it's, we call it the love letter. It's 25 of our limited edition cupcakes for Valentine's Day. Speaking of love, you met the love of your life, your husband, through all of this, which is a great story. Tell us about that. I did. Um, so opening day of our very first store on Spring Street, March 9th, 2000, and March 5th, I'm sorry, 2009, um, I was sitting at the bar of Cafe Barry, which is where that hole in the window, pickup window was, hole in the wall pickup window was. Um, first, like, moment I had to sit down in, in, like, seven months, I think. I'm sitting at the bar, freaking out, like, who's going to stop at this hole in the wall and buy cupcakes they've never heard of before? It's opening day. I'm 24 years old, like, not feeling like... Like, yes, this is amazing. And oh, my God, like what's about to happen? David Z was sitting next to me at the bar who, you know, had all of these sneaker stores and he was the namesake of his brand. So he was like a celebrity to me. I had never met David before, nor had I met the bartender. And David is like a real character. So he looks at the bartender. He says, Adi, who is this beautiful girl? And the bartender looked me up and down and he said, that's my wife. And I was like, what a jerk. But, like, that's how I met my husband. And I fell in love with him very quickly um, because of the way he looked at me, I think. Wound Mm. up bringing him on. He could ice cupcakes. You could either ice cupcakes or you can't. It's, like, something you're, like, born with. (laughs) And um, the two of us iced every single cupcake we sold for, like, two years. Wow. What's been the toughest lesson for you along the way? Ah, I've learned so many lessons. I'm very thankful for them. Uh, all of them, there are, it's those challenges, it's those like hardest days that make you the strongest, that teach you the most. And a while back, I used to let them get the best of me, you know, like when we were starting, I remember I de- my dad is the one that I would call crying. Like, you just feel like it's the end of the world. And he would always tell me like, what makes metal strong? It's extreme heat, baby. Like you're going to get stronger. <laughs> Uh, from all of this, it's going to be okay. And every morning, you know, every I would go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and life goes on. And it, it did get better. And I'm stronger for those most challenging moments. I learned from every single one of them. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned through from those moments is that you should never respond emotionally. Another lesson that my dad, he has this saying, he's like, measure twice, cut once. Um, so, you know, in today's age, there are a lot of opportunities to communicate very quickly. And it's important that when you're feeling emotional, not to like put the phone down, don't text, don't email, go to sleep, you know, like enjoy yourself for the evening, relax, wake up tomorrow. And when you're not feeling emotional, respond. You only have one chance. It's great advice. In this day and age, it's, you mentioned all these different modes of communication. I mean, Social media is so important, and especially in your business, that visual branding is so important. What are some things that you think you did that helped you break through in that world that's already so crowded? Uh, I love so I am very passionate about social media, Instagram specifically. We you know we were on it from the very beginning. You're like a brand made for Instagram. Yes, thank you. Um, I recently took over Instagram's Instagram account. So Instagram has an Instagram and they have over like 240 million followers. And I made it a goal 
to take over Instagram's Instagram. So they would post a picture and I took over their Instagram stories for National Dessert Day. That was huge for us. How did that come together? You just, you pitched them? I was very persistent. Yeah. Yes. I'm very goal oriented. And, you know, I grew up with a parents who told me I could do anything I set my mind to. And now, um, and a brother who, you know, embodied that. Obviously, we started Baked by Melissa together. And now a CEO who also empowers me to do anything I set my mind to and reminds me that I, of that every single day. And, you know, it's a, it's a certain attitude that leads to success. And that's the attitude is to is to empower the people around you and, and see the glass as half full and if you have this fleeting thought of something that you want to accomplish, then stay focused and be persistent and go after that. And that's what we do at Big by Melissa. Our Instagram, I am a huge part. I see. Every, I am. I create a lot of the Instagram posts. Do you okay every post? Yes. That they, okay, so you <laughs> yes. look at every post that you guys send. And out. I'm not a micromanager, but I'm the brand, <laughs> and you know, it's baked by Melissa, and it's also something I'm great at. And I actually, um, our I. Anna, who's on our creative team, I, I butcher titles all the time, but Anna and I, Anna really leads the social media and, and all of our copy. She's the voice of Baked by Melissa now, like in writing on our website or our newsletter. She's so awesome. I have so much fun with her. Like, like, and the fact that we get to like create social media content together, it's hilarious. Like we giggle. We like made snowman out of our snowball cupcake the other day. We make like hot chocolate from scratch for a hot cocoa cupcake. It's just so fun. There is an art to that, though, and not everybody has an eye for it. So what are the sort of things that you see that are the biggest mistakes that you think people are making with their Instagram social presence? Oh, that's a tough question. Focus, I, You know, Instagram is so it's all visual. I love Instagram so much because I am inspired by the. Content. You're clearly a very visual person. Yeah, I'm so visual. Everything is like pictures, visceral and color. too. Yes, and- you know, if I'm feeling like a creative roadblock, I can just search a hashtag and see like all the different s'mores that anyone has ever posted. But that's a really good piece of information for people to think about. I think this idea that okay, if you hit a roadblock, searching a hashtag. If you're if you're trying to think of how to post something yourself, search that hashtag and it'll give you inspiration. Sure. And like the crops are super important. We we sell bite sized treats and the cupcake is the hero or the macaron is the hero of every post that we make that has one in it. And not only does it have to look beautiful, but it also needs to look delicious. So, you know, I think of myself as our customer all the time and the viewer of the content. Would I want to eat that? Like, would I like that if I was looking at scrolling through my feed? Um, and I just really love to create. Like, I love to create content. I love to create dessert. Like, I, I work very, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't live in this, like rose-colored world. I work hard and I have my own form of challenges. And I've also learned that it's like the journey, right? Like, I don't want to be old and retired. I want to work towards something that I love. And Baked by Melissa gives me the opportunity to do that. So I just appreciate it all. What do you do when people come to you and say, okay, Melissa, um, what you should really be doing now is making gigantic cakes 
That's what your customer wants. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because we do make cakes now. Um, <laughs> but it happened because the cookbook is called Cakes right. by Melissa. And I said to my CEO, we both said, like, oh, are people going to want cake now? So we have a tie-dye three-layer uh, cake that we, we sell for pickup in our stores only. So you could pre-order it at BakeByMelissa.com. It's gorgeous, tie-dye, beautiful. Um, also looks great on social media. Um, but I really value all of those suggestions, and I've heard it all. I've heard that we should make, like, cheeseburger cupcakes. I've heard that I should make giant cupcakes, and I I listen to it. Do I do it all? No, of course not, because it's super important to stay focused, but you know, everything starts as an idea. And when you do hear that word no, you talk about persistence. What do you do with that word no? How do you respond to it? I guess it depends on the context of the no. I learn from it. I learn from it. Um, There's a reason for the no, always. And maybe um, it was because of the way it was phrased, whether it was the pitch or the question, or it, it offers insight into whatever the other company or person is working on. Not everything works. And don't get me wrong. I don't always get my way. I hear no plenty, and that's great. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to I'm going to adjust to it, and I'm going to move on from it in one way or another. What's been the worst advice along the way? I'm sure I've gotten a load of bad advice, and I think that more so since I've become a mother, um, you only have so much mind space. When I find myself thinking about something that's negative, I like mentally reprimand myself and say, move on from it because you only have so much time to think and get stuff done in a day. And that's kind of my response to what's the worst advice I've ever gotten. I I don't know. I don't remember. If somebody tells me I can't, I move on from it. I don't internalize it. And it's so easy to, as human beings, let yourself fall into that like, Whole of negativity. You know, there are naysayers, of course. Like, not everyone can be happy all the time. Nobody is happy all the time. And that's why it's so important to surround yourself with people who love you and support you so that when you are having one of those conversations in which you need guidance, you're only getting positive advice that you could do it. You need cheerleaders. You're not going to have many of them. It's quality, not quantity. Um, but it's, you know, if somebody tells me I can't do something, I say, okay, thank you. And then I go talk to Seth or my husband or my brother (laughs) or my parents and it's, it's back. I'm back on track. Melissa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. And now it's time for our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week, where we feature one of our listeners who's building something of her own. And our No Limits Entrepreneur this week is another Melissa, Melissa Mash, nominated by Nina Prasad Murphy. Melissa is the co-founder and CEO of Dagny Dover, which is a handbag and accessory brand that's meant to be stylish, help keep you organized. She grew up in Ohio and moved to New York for college. And then afterwards, she worked at Coach for many years in the U.S. and U.K. before receiving her MBA from work. Then in 2013, she and her two co-founders, who also came from the retail industry, launched Dagny Dover. 
Melissa was inspired by her family. Her immigrant parents came to America with basically nothing, she says, and were able to work their way up to both have professional careers. But it was her aunt and her uncle that really gave her the entrepreneurial bug. She says that she watched them create several successful businesses that flourished in rural Ohio where they lived. And seeing that had always made her want to start her own company. Melissa had the idea for Dagny Dover when she was working for Coach in London. She says that people would come into the Coach store every day and ask for a bag that helped them stay more organized. And as she heard so many people say the same thing, she says she saw there had to be an opportunity for a brand that looked great, was well-priced, and had very specific pockets so that it was naturally intuitive to use. Melissa decided in order to launch the brand, she needed more formal business training. So she decided to go to business school where she started working on the basics of business like bag design, brand name, and finding co-founders. To fund the business, she and her two co-founders raised money from friends and family, some retail investors, retail operators, and other founders. She says they were people who understood their mentality. And so for them, they decided it was a better option than raising VC funds. Melissa says that they raised a lot less than most brands at their stage, and it meant they had to be incredibly frugal and thoughtful at every step of the way. Specifically, she says that every dollar they spent on the business had to give at least a 3x return. One business obstacle Melissa and her team had to overcome came with a factory that they started working with. She says they used to work with a factory that looked great on paper. They worked with other strong handbag brands. The quality of their work was great. But once some of the other businesses started struggling, the factory scrambled to figure out how it was going to make up that financial loss. Melissa says they were way too small at the time to be taken seriously by the factory, so the factory didn't want to partner with their brand while it was hemorrhaging and in need of much larger revenues. They had to pay the factory a large sum of money on an accelerated timeline or else it wouldn't ship out their last order. Melissa says they didn't have that kind of money, but they needed the product and they found themselves between a rock and a hard place. She says that they always had very positive relationships with their investors, and so they reached out to one in particular who gave them the loan to pay off the factory. Melissa says the lesson that they've learned time and time again is that relationships make all the difference when navigating through tough situations. So true. If she could go back and give herself advice at the start, Melissa says she would tell herself there is no point where you make it. You continue to work really hard just in different ways and with your basic needs being met. She says that the first few years of the business gave her and her co-founders a mild form of PTSD from the stress and sacrifices they made to get the business to where it is today. But she says that mentality has been so good for the culture of her company. She says they work hard, but they don't beat themselves up when things don't go perfectly. And they try not to miss out on life. She says they're not in the business of trying to make money or sell bags. They're in the business of helping people achieve their potential. So congratulations, Melissa Mash, on being our No Limits Entrepreneur of the Week. I wish you and the team at Dagny Dover continued success. Remember, if you or someone you know should be featured here on No Limits as the Entrepreneur of the Week, send me your nomination to No Limits with RJ Podcast at gmail.com. I love hearing from all of you, so thanks, Nina Prasad Murphy, for this week's shout out and reading all of your emails. So keep them coming. Also, if you like what you heard here, please don't be shy. Subscribe, give us 
a nice review. It means so much. It helps people find the podcast. It does really make a difference, those few seconds of your time. And we thank all of you who have taken that time. As always, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Rebecca Jarvis. Don't forget to use the hashtag No Limits. I also want to give a shout out to the team here that helps make this happen week after week. Our producer, Taylor Dunn, our editor, Michelle Boncardo, our research assistant, Annie Osakwe, and the great team here at ABC Radio, Elizabeth Russo, David Rind, Josh Cohan, Andrew Kelb, and Steve Jones. Thank you. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts.